Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 88 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are having a sit down with New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, Patricia Loofborough. We're going to have a great chat. You're going to hear all about that here in just a minute. Uh, actually, you're going to hear about it here pretty quick, because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about other things this week. I want to keep the episode at or just under an hour. So first thing I want to do is uh, make sure to point you over to our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us there. Of course, you can download the show on any and all podcast players available out there itunes spotify stitcher wherever it is that you want to find us and we are also on youtube now so that's a great place to go and check out all the book covers as the episode plays in the background if you want to reach out to me then you can do so at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com drop me a line let me know that uh, you have an author you'd like to recommend or perhaps you yourself are an author and would like to come onto the show drop me a line and we'll work something out and in keeping this quick, I do want to thank our sponsors, Ustoreall, who's been with us for a long, long time now, since the beginning. If you are in the market for self-storage in the Warrensburg, Missouri area, look no further than Ustoreall. They have climate control, non-climate control, fully fenced-in facilities, LED lighting all night long, more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day, Whatever you're wanting to store, it's going to be secure there. They have the place on lockdown. Not only are they using the LED lighting, but they also have solar power running, I think it's 95% of the power to their facility. So it's a clean and green facility. Check them out online at ustoreall.net. That's spelled U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. I also want to thank my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. They are a fun group of people with just a ton of podcasts all being shared over there week in and week out. Lots of great blogs and check them out. Click on the links in the show notes for Pop Goes the Culture and you are in for a lot of fun. And of course, I also want to thank my sponsor, Scrivener. They are my absolute favorite writing tool. I use it every day. And I think you need to check it out for yourself. Make sure you stay tuned for the commercial coming up here in just a moment. And listen in particular for that coupon code to save yourself 20% on your own desktop version. So this week we're talking with Patricia Loofborough. She writes in the realm of speculative fiction, particularly steampunk noir. She has a wonderful series, the Red Dog Conspiracy series that is just incredible a huge world that she has created you're going to hear all about that it's it's really really great stuff and her latest book in the series uh has come out today this is october 1st so the latest one is available we talked about all kinds of stuff during our interview uh including that she took a, a film noir class talked about don't forget the human element when you're writing and how often, as a writer, our best ideas sometimes come to us at odd times, like maybe weeding the garden and such. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And, you know, and something that we didn't get to talk about during the interview, but uh, she made sure to tell me about it later on. Jack of Spades is free on ebook right now. But if you sign up for her newsletter at news.jackofspades.com, and Jack, by the way, is spelled J A C Q. 
So news.jackofspades.com. Sign up for her newsletter and you will get an additional surprise. So check that out. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor and then we're going to get dive right into our interview with Patricia Loofborough. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we're going to be sitting down with a speculative fiction author that is just incredible, really. I've been going over her books uh, checking things out for a little while now, and I'm just, it, it's like I've said before in past episodes, the show's going to make me go broke because there are so many great books every week, and this week is no exception. We've got New York Times and USA Today best-selling author Patricia Loofborough. Patricia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. I, we've been talking for a little while, and I'm just, I'm just loving this. Your books sound amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Or well, I'll tell you what, let's start with what is something that your fans would be surprised to learn about you? Oh, wow. I haven't been asked that before. Let's see. I'm actually really boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that a bit. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you get these people that think that, you know, I must be writing a memoir. <laughs> which I don't understand because it's set in the future. But no, I, uh, I'm really pretty boring. <laughs> I sit on the computer all day. I, I'm guessing that they think you're writing a biography. You must uh, write some things from your own life in, into the books? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> I just have a really overactive imagination, I suppose. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was really interested to uh, read a little bit in your bio. And you just started writing in 2005, mm-hmm. held on for a little while, and then all of a sudden you had uh, the, like the book that we're going to hear from tonight, Jack of Spades. That's the one that hit your USA Today and New York Times bestselling just in 2017. And before that, though, you were uh, family medicine and then you created your uh, one of the first Ask a Doctor patient education websites. Now right. that, that that's really in, amazing. That was in 2000. Yeah, you know, basically what happened was that um, I my training is in family medicine. I have an MD. I have a bachelor's in microbiology, and so I practiced for 10 years, and then I left medicine for a couple reasons, and then I needed some thing to do (laughs) (laughs) so I that's how I got into doing websites and I thought a patient education website would be really good and it was 
As it turned out, it was not the very first one. The very first one was started a few months before mine and um, did about as well as mine. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up selling that about four years later. And, you know, the life of an entrepreneur, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But I, you know, all these ones you see now where they're, you know, people paying to talk to doctors online and all that stuff, that, that was what it was supposed to be, but it never really quite worked out. But uh, yeah, I did that for four years. And then um, sometime in there, I got started. Um, I had always been very good at, um, like in, in high school, I was really good in English and blah, blah. So I started doing some freelance editing and writing for, I was doing that for business magazine online for a while. And then around 2005, I uh, ran across the uh, National Novel Writing Month, which is basically a personal challenge where you try to write a 50,000 word novel, which is like the shortest you could call a novel <laughs> in 30 days. <laughs> mm-hmm. So every November, every, like it's a global thing now, people around the world get together every November or, you know, online and try to write a novel. And so that was my first time writing a novel. And when I heard about this, I was like, wow, I've always wanted to write a novel. So what the heck, give it a try. And after I did it, I got hooked on it. And then I was just writing like a crazy person. And for the longest time, you know, you you think, well, you you know, it'd be fun to publish it or whatever. And, but I just kept writing, kept writing. And I, I actually did um, submit a few things, but they weren't really all that great. And then what I was trying to think of what to do for the 2013 National Novel Writing Month, which they call NaNoWriMo, just mm-hmm. for short. I was trying to think, what am I going to do for that? And then, so I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and then I got this idea. <laughs> and at first, the idea was just going to be this one book. And then, so I started, the more I started thinking about it, the more I started thinking that this is two, this is more than one book. You know, I was really interested about how did this person get to this point in their life, which actually turns into book six. Mm. And I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm working on the outline for book six right now. And so I decided that I needed to go back and get to this point that I had the idea for. And so that, I would, where I started was the deck, what is now the deck of spades. Okay. So that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. I, I love NaNoWriMo. My local writing group, I got started with them in the summer of 2015. And that year I'd been trying to write my first novel off and on for years. And I was struggling with, I just kept rewriting the first like three or four chapters you know, they kept talking about it and I was, and they were like, Jason, you gotta, you gotta do NaNoWriMo. And mm-hmm. I thought, no, I, you know, I've already got this book. I don't really want to write something new. I, I can't remember what happened exactly, but something finally clicked on like the night before NaNoWriMo kicked off. And I just got this wild hair and I was like, you know, maybe my hang up is that I, I never go past chapter three or four. Maybe I should put some pressure on myself and I'll do this. And I'll just start over and see what, what happens. And so uh, that's what I did. See, what I had. Yeah. You and get I, that idea, you know, it's just... that's why I love about that's what I love about nano is that it forces you to just create and not worry about whether it's right or spelled or you know any of that stuff it's just you have to because otherwise there's no way you can get your 
1600 words in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for that day to keep up. There's no way you can do it if you stop and edit every five minutes. And right. So I, for me, it was, it's been perfect. I, I've written all of my, all my main series books. I write during nano the first draft. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. And, and I'm still active in my local nano group because that's where I got my start. And so I always try to, you know, donate and stuff because, you know, they help me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually, this will be, let's see, this will be my fifth year doing it. And, uh, the, our group leader is going to be on vacation a lot throughout November. So she's asked me and another person to, uh, to help out. We're going to be, I forget what you call them, liaisons or something. Municipal liaison. Yeah. Yeah. For our area. So we're going to be uh, doing that and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I, I I knew a friend of mine has a couple of friends of mine have done that. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I told her, I said, well, let's see, I'm working on two books right now. I've got the show. I've got a few other things. Uh, sure. What's one more thing? I don't mind. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, NaNoWriMo, we're getting totally off subject here, but of course, no, NaNoWriMo redoes their website recently and I've lost all my friends. I had to re-add a bunch of people. And, uh... Oh really? I haven't been over there in a while. Oh, I it's usually different. just show up like, you know, October 30th or something. And oh, don't do that. On. Yeah, don't do that this year. Yeah, everybody. So, all right. So this episode is going to drop on October 1st, which is also going to be the date of Patricia's latest book. So I, I would definitely recommend everybody listening. If you're interested in doing NaNoWriMo, get on over there today and check out your profile because it's going to be much different than what it was uh, if you haven't logged in since last year. And uh, likely you might have to look for your friends again. I just got done adding a bunch of people back on there. They're, they have a they have a new policy they're doing where you have to be approved on both sides. Like you have to ask somebody and they have to approve you to be friends. You can't just follow anymore. So anyway, well, let's talk about your books though, because that's, <laughs> you had the, the first one there with Jack of Spades came out and that's the book right, we're going to hear right. from later on which is incredible. I love these new covers that you've got on here. It's got a really cool uh, steampunk feel to them, uh, but it's the book that started it all. Even though you're going to be reading from it later, tell us a little bit about like how the series kicks off. What are we expecting from the uh, Jack of Spades part one of the Red Dog Conspiracy? Okay, yes. Um, now, the Red Dog Conspiracy is a 13-part serial novel I mean, each, each book is a chapter and each book has, a, has its own story that actually resolves. So it's not like a cliffhanger on the end, most of them, but um, you, you really need to read the entire set to get the whole story. But the Jack of Spades starts off with a, a mystery. There is a child that has disappeared. We don't know who the child is. We don't know anything about it. And we are learning about it through um, one woman's narration. And her name is Jacqueline Spadros. And we learn that she is married into a crime family. And this is in the city of Bridges. And as we go along, we learn more about her. We learn more about the city. We learn more about who this child is and why she is reacting the way she does to the mom and to, you know, the various people in the story. And 
it's a first person narration of a basically a dark steampunk crime fiction story this story involves you know the mafia it involves lots of political intrigue there's some action in the story there's you know gunfights i mean this is set in the far future so it's not there's no magic or dragons or nothing but if you picture game of thrones meets the godfather except steampunk oh wow pretty close (laughs) (laughs) wow okay um what I wanted to do with the, with the story, with the Red Dog Conspiracy, is I don't know if you're familiar with film noir, but like the, the 30s, 40s movie genre, mm-hmm. where they had the, the guy in the fedora, and then they had this slinky gal that comes in and causes him trouble. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool to gender flip that and make the woman the detective? And mm. kind of those ideas and kind of visuals in the book as far as you know the wet streets and the the shadows and you know all these different people with all these different motivations and kind of stuff like that that was my inspiration for the series and I actually took a um, a class in film noir it was an online class that was put on through Turner Classic Movies and uh, Ball State University it was during the uh, the summer of 2015, which is when I was revising, you know, revising the Jack of Spades because I had written it in the November of 2014, but I it, it um, released in November of 2015. So that during that summer I was revising, I came across this online class and it was so amazing. Hmm. We watched so many film noir, so <laughs> many noir movies, you know, those old 40s, 50s movies, mm-hmm. and I just it just really even more got me hooked onto that. And um, so I, I love watching those and I, I just really like a lot of the themes that are so applicable today. You know, this kind of, a lot of these veterans coming back with the post-traumatic and, mm-hmm. and the kind of this existentialism and a lot of the stuff that, you know, I think a lot of people are struggling with even today. So anyway, I don't try to make, you know, I'm not kind of like writing about, politics today but you know like some people like to I don't really like that sort of thing but I think that there's a lot of themes that are still really applicable to this day that people like like Jackie have to deal with you know because the the other thing I wanted to write about in the Red Dog Conspiracy was kind of almost like a deconstruction of steampunk Mm -hmm. because the Victorian era in real life in the Gilded Age America which is the same time frame, really wasn't a very nice place to live unless you were really rich and white and male. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody else, it was horrible. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's why we have child labor laws now, why we have, you know, workers' rights and weekends and, you know, minimum wage and all that stuff because people back then were agitating and women's votes and all that stuff came after the Victorian era. And it came after a whole bunch of really hard things that happened in the United States. Like the period of time between 1890 and, and 1900, I think had like five depressions, like actual major depressions, like economic depressions. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people whose grandparents were alive then. And they said that the, one, of the, one of the depressions in particular was way worse than the, our Great Depression in the 30s, that it was so bad what mm. people went through. And that was all going on at the same time whenever, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, they, 
people all walking around with corsets and mansions and top hats. Well, yeah, it was the same time, but people were dying in the streets. There was no social security. There was no homeless shelters. There was no, you know, any of that stuff. So mm -hmm. we really have come a long way, just even like sanitation wise, you know, me as a physician, <laughs> a former physician, I just, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, they didn't have antibiotics. So you got something wrong with you, you died. <laughs> Yeah, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, and you don't have to worry about walking right. down the street yeah. and getting something dumped on you from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, early Victorians for sure. Um, they did. I think it, I can't remember exactly when it was. Eighteen sixty, eighteen seventy. They started thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, maybe it might be kind of like bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was. I mean, I love steampunk. I love the aesthetic. I love the. You know the the maker part of it. I love the, um, all that kind of stuff, but you know, I don't fetishize the Victorian era one bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I know, you know, it, I, I also love, I really love history. And so that's one thing that, you know, this is why I wanted to do this because it was kind of like, you know, people talk about the good old days Well, they weren't so good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Well, and, I mean, okay. history is, is important to know because it's, you, to know where we're going, we need to know where we've been so that hopefully we can learn from it. And I, I've, I mean, yeah, definitely. I've, I've always loved uh, the noir and uh, this is really, really cool with the mixture of the steampunk and the noir. Like I'm looking at the, uh, the cover of Ten of Spades is coming out and it's, it's got this like really great feel for both of those uh, in there. You get the guy in the background with, with the hat looking like a, you know, a little detective or something in the background and, and, uh, Oh, you mean my, a, the, the cover on my, um, on my, uh, right. The background of, uh, yeah. Uh, on my Facebook <clears throat> author page. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that, you know, that's the, actually, yeah. that's actually from, uh, one of my friends, uh, Artie Cabrera did that for me, uh, for, I did an Indiegogo for the, the king of hearts oh, yeah. which is book four for the audiobook production and he made he made that and another one for me um yeah so that i thought that really captured the the mood of that particular of the ten of spades is that that picture right there yeah yeah and it I really does what you're talking about now <laughs> and it's and it's a really it's a really great the whole aesthetic of not just with the picture like the picture really kind of ties it together for me but to to consider like it just seems like a natural fit for steampunk and noir in that kind of a like time jack frame. the ripper i mean jack the ripper yeah. is pretty noir i mean <laughs> right yeah and it, it just it's like wow i've never heard of this uh coming together so well like this and and the the, the what you've been describing with some of the circumstances and the storylines that you've got it's very much like the tagline you got here of authentic people living remarkable lives through desperate circumstances and it's there i'm sure there is plenty of fantastic situations where it's you know something grand grandois and uh and like oh yeah yeah you gotta worry about well worry about the city falling apart but there's also real human issues going on at the same time and yeah yeah that's that's, that's some great details that's that's what i'm that's what i'm really interested in in more than the technology part which i mean i I could geek out on science as much as anybody else. Okay. But what I'm really interested in writing about is how does the culture deal with that, that technology and how mm -hmm. does the culture, 
how do the people react to what is going on in their society, which is partly because of what their technology is doing. You know, it's all inter, it's all interlocked. It's not, you can't just say, oh, let's talk about science in an, in a vacuum because mm -hmm. there's, there are people and then there are, you know, the other cultural things going on around that, which is, I think, just as much a part of the story as the, you know, the yeah. gears and gizmos. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Well, th I mean, and so you've got, let's see, four so far, as of today, October 1st, uh, the fifth book, Ten of Spades, is, is out, so everybody can go grab that. Well, you know what, go grab all of them. So you can catch up and then make sure you pick this up today too. Yes, please. <laughs> you, because, you know, if you just start with the tennis spades, you're not going to know what's going on because exactly. this is one book and it'd be like, kind of like, you know, walking in an hour 15 into a three hour movie and then asking everybody else to explain it. Yeah, <laughs> don't be that guy. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. So this is book five and you're looking at 13. Mm -hmm, yep. They're That's already, awesome. um, I already know like pretty much what's going to happen to the main characters as far as like every single one of them plotted totally. I haven't done that yet, but, um, but yeah, like I know who, who it makes it to the end and who doesn't. And I'm very and sad. They're kind of like Schrodinger's, are they, they're not dead until I actually publish the book and they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still sad about them dying. Oh. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just doing the math in my head it was like wait a minute 13 because i kept thinking like wow 13 seems like an odd number and then it hit me the tie-in of uh, a deck of cards right, the cards. <laughs> <laughs> i love it oh my gosh that's amazing i was like wait a minute okay two three four oh hey 13 all right i got it that's awesome yeah. i love that well and you've got a couple of uh prequels here some companion books as well yeah i do the, the Red Dog Conspiracy, it starts 1,899 years after the catastrophe, which is something that happened that, you know, is 1,899 years ago that ended up with everybody here. And so um, I have, over a little time, been goaded by my fans to add in these prequels, especially the first one, the earliest in time one, which is called Gut Shot, and it's the catastrophe. And it's... Basically, like I, I like to go to the people. So this is about a homeless veteran who is, was dumped in Las Vegas. And his first night there, he ends up in a disaster movie, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's, uh, he doesn't know what's going on. He just knows that there's this giant wave and, you know, there he goes. He survives. Oh, and my goodness. Yeah, so it's 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 short. It's a short. I mean, it's not that short. It's like seventeen thousand words. So I guess that's called a novelette. But yeah, that was my first one, or not my first one, but the first in time. Mm -hmm. The first one I wrote of the prequels is actually um, set a hundred years before. I referenced it a little bit. I might have referenced it earlier. I don't know. Can't remember exactly where you started recording. But um, basically, a um, hundred years before the start of the story. Of the Jack of Spades, there was a civil war within this city, this dome city. So the city is covered with a dome. It's an artificial construct. All the rivers and the lights and everything are, are steam powered. And 
inside this, 100 years ago, there was a civil war, basically. And, um, and there was a coup, because it was originally a monarchy. And the monarchy was overthrown. And that led, over the next 100 years, to the rise of the four families, who are basically crime families. And they have split the city into four parts which is natural because of there's four rivers that meet in a in an island on the center which is where the main government is which is also super corrupt the four families own it too now <laughs> um and so um so anyway the first of the prequels that i wrote uh as far as what i wrote them is um the Al called the alcatraz coup and which is actually a card term it's basically you're cheating <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh um yeah, so all my titles are are like gut shot is a is a card term in poker and and right. Alcatraz Coup is a uh can't remember if it's bridge or poker. It's a card term. I have to look that up again. And then um another short story, when you first go into the Jack of Spades, the first mystery is this woman that Jackie meets and you don't know what, how did she get there? She's wondering to herself, how, you know, where's this woman been? And so I wrote a short story to answer that question. And that one is called vulnerable, which anybody that plays bridge knows what vulnerable means. Mm. Um, Cause that's a pretty basic bridge term. So anyway, but it describes her situation. This woman is, is in a bad situation at the start of the book and or the, the story. It's like a 6,000 word short story that I wrote um, to answer that question. And then I, I just, my most recent one uh, is actually a companion. It's set at the same time frame as the Jack of Spades. And the Jack of Spades mainly revolves around this ab abduction of this little boy named David Bryce. And she's a private detective, but basically I thought it was important to answer the question, what are the police doing during this time? Because mm -hmm. I mean, this is a child abduction. so. This book I released at the end of February is called Drawing Thin, which is a poker term. And it is about the policeman who's first on the scene at the, um, you know, after the mom runs to the police and tell her, you know, her kid's missing. He's like 12. Mm -hmm. So it kind of follows what he's doing and what's going on in the police department during the same time frame as the Jack of Spades. And you could probably read, you read either one um but you'll just you know obviously you'll get a different experience because he knows about stuff obviously that she doesn't know about because the four families don't really have a whole lot to do with the police if they can help it <laughs> this, is, this is quite the world you have put together that i yes, mean this, this is, is something world <laughs> yes and you're going to be able to draw on this for quite some there you go draw uh <laughs> on this for quite some time it looks like with the your companion pieces as like you said you've got the the drawing thin so it's here's a storyline from the first book that well here you go here's how it's resolved or maybe how it's resolved it might be something completely tied in with well the, you know the those these side books i'm pretty much going by what people want to do i mean if if people want to um read more about the constable who has first on the scene more about what he's doing you know then i'll write more mm -hmm. um there are a few of them that i i really want to write and one of them is is um that i'm working on right now is called brothers and um basically 
Jackie has has issues. <laughs> she's a more <laughs> anti-hero. She has issues. <laughs> One of which is she's an alcoholic, but uh, her basic dysfunction comes from a night when she was 12 years old where her a guy who claimed to be her father sold her to the Spadros crime family. And that same night two people were killed. Um, one was her best friend who her this guy shot during the the situation. And then the other was the servant of a different, of a rival crime family who shows up at the scene at the same time. And um, basically I wanted to write about him and why he was there because he was in a totally different quadrant in the middle of the night, um, like the day, you know, like right before Christmas for us would be Christmas. And um, what was he doing there? Why was he even there? You know, what, what was going on? Because he's, he's really super important, actually, if he hadn't, if basically this whole story wouldn't have happened without him. So I thought it was important to write that story. And I'm working mm. on that right now. Um, oh, okay. And I'm thinking it's probably going to come out in the spring, um, which is when I've been releasing these side books. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then there's another one that I'm going to, there's a couple more that I have planned to come out. One is um, probably going to be like, you know, novel length. Brothers is going to be novel length. Definitely. Um, I have another one that's um, going to be novel length. That's going to come out. Oh, in a few years. It's there's certain ones I can't release until certain times because of spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then there's a graphic novel that <clears throat> I'm in the early stages of that's oh my goodness. also release later because of spoilers. It's about a, a major side character that actually helps Jackie out during this search for this little boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, this could go for a while, <laughs> right? All sorts of stuff. Which I, th- I thought it was just kind of fun, you know, just this whole, uh, yeah. you know, we have this city, everything is in this city, but there are other cities, there are other dome cities around. And so, you know, it used to go on for a while. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'd say so. It sounds like it. I mean, you, yeah, hopefully you have no aspirations of writing something else because I think you're going to be here for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I am writing another series under a pen name, but that's another, that's another thing. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted, I wanted to do something, something a little bit lighter. So Uh that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, and that's good. That's good to have something different. That way, I think it helps refresh you a little bit to it come does. back. To you know, I, I'm the sort of person that I, I usually am working on several projects at the same time, and working on one helps my mind to get like kind of reset for the other ones. So then I come back to the other ones, and I'm like, it's new, and I can work on it more. You know, if I mm-hmm. kind of rotate around, it really helps me in my productivity. Other people can't do that, but you know, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could see that, that kind of recharging the batteries and uh, get away from it, do something completely different and then come back, you know, a few months Mm -hmm. down the road and Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah. You know what? I've maybe you figured out how something's going to work out during that time or something. And like, yeah, yeah. Well, I get my best ideas while, you know, pulling weeds or (laughs) yes. I'm not the only one. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> because people act like it's some sort of arcane thing. It's like, just 
go do something else and you'll think of all kinds of i don't know i i just think of all kinds of ideas so i yeah i uh I I've, the, where do you get your ideas question but we always get it so i guess i i use my uh i have my phone playing podcasts or audiobooks during the day when i'm outside of my office i'll, I'll spend a good half my day or, or most of the day outside the office doing other things working on things and uh yeah I, while i'm doing it you know maybe somebody says something or a piece of a book or something triggers it i'm like oh i know how they're gonna get away yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, yeah. And I'm scrambling to put a note in my phone so that I don't lose that for later. And <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like you lose it, and you're like, oh man, where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, I oh my gosh, Patricia, this is I could just go on and on about this forever. I feel like we haven't even hardly scratched the surface of of your cities and this world, but. Oh my gosh, I probably should uh, be getting us over to the the reading here pretty soon. Uh, I was going to say, you got to read the book because <laughs> I mean, I, you know, let's see, each book is 243 pages or so and there's five books so far. So that's a lot of explaining. It'd probably be better just to read it yourself. <laughs> there you go. And you know, that's not bad. 240. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's easily, I know, I know people who are reading a book a day that's that size. So there you go, everybody. You got a couple, you got a week's worth of uh, just yeah. main series. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get harassed by my fans. They're like, when are you going to write the next one? I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Write so fast. Well, you know, it's the writing part is the easy. It's the revising. That's what takes me so long because I've got like right now setting up the outline for book six and I've got like at least a dozen different storyline faction storylines coming together and, it, and it's like mm -hmm. okay <laughs> and you know the midpoint i'm 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 working my way through this arc here we've we've passed the uh we've passed the first pinch point which was right at, at well actually no the first the first pinch point is at the end of book five so this is it and uh, <laughs> so yeah she gets a good good hard pinch there and yeah and and so yeah so I, I i mean i've got that all plotted out like we had our first plot point at the end of book three and then this is the end of book five we've got our first pinch going and then we're gonna have midpoint the end of book seven and uh <laughs> so but it, there's just so many i i've got so many plot lines here it's just taking me a while to get it all figured out what where we're going here I ended up having to write the whole thing out on a whiteboard I think uh, I think the listeners sometimes don't realize how many strings we're trying to pull, especially whenever an author like yourself who's going with a series this long, there's a lot <laughs> to put together. And yeah, and, there is. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a job. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not like I do live events sometimes, and somebody will come by like, oh, I I wanted to write a book sometime, and it's like okay. Sounds great. See, ya. <laughs> like, no, you just have no idea. <laughs> like after you put in twelve or fourteen hour days working on this, trying to figure this thing out, like yes, yeah. When you can, <laughs> when you can put in a long day and still have that uh, willingness to, like, all right, let me go ahead and put in fifteen twenty minutes of writing time. Then, yep, you're meant to do this. You're 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 gonna do all right. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, where can, can people find and follow you? Well, my main website is um, 
jackofspades.com and Jack has a queue, uh, or you which basically redirects to my author website, which is Patty Lou, P-A-T-T-Y-L-O-O-F, like Frank, dot com. So either one of those will work. And if you look up, if you look me up in Amazon or whatever, and you look up the Jack of Spades, where Jack is spelled with a Q, it's the only one on there. So then you can <laughs> click my author link and see all the rest of them. <laughs> Absolutely. There we like. go. Yes. And, you know, and everybody, I'm going to make sure and have links for all of this in the show notes. So that way, once you're done listening, you can just click that tab there at the end of it and it'll take you right over to our website. My books are available everywhere, including Audible. You can get them a hardcover, paperback, all the ebook formats, you know, like Apple or Nook, Kobo, you know, whatever you like. So it, it's available on way more than Amazon. And so, yeah, if you go to my website, right on the front page is all my books and you can just click on the one you're interested in and go for it. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And book five is, like we said, is available today, October 1st. So there's, there's a good five days of the week that you can start reading and, and get all of them. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patricia, thank you so much for being on here. This has been a lot of fun. I, we could just talk all night because this is, I'm having so much fun talking to you. Well, thanks. It's been great to, to be here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to step aside, and I'm going to hand the floor over to Patricia Loofboro with the Jack of Spades. Okay, this is the first round, I call, because the Jack of Spades is a chapter in itself of the Red Dog Conspiracy. And the first round is called The Letter. A domed city split by four rivers, an island at its center. In the southeast quadrant, a taxi carriage pulled up to a shop on 2nd Street. In the gutter lay a card. Bridges, 500 years of culture, the jewel of the Great Plains. The postcard depicting an elegant couple crossing a golden bridge lay in horse manure. A carriage track ran through it. I stepped over the scene as I climbed from the taxi carriage, my borrowed boots grating on the rough concrete sidewalk. Trash flew past in the wind. The air smelled of rain, clouds hanging dark in the afternoon sky. How much to wait? The clock chimed half past two. The driver, in his 60s, pushed his goggles up on his forehead. His horse tossed its head and shifted. Here? Penny now, penny when you're done. He paused, leering, because I like you. He made no attempt to hide his survey of my person. Unimpressed, I handed him the penny, entering the white wooden storefront as large drops fell. The floorboard squeaked. The front room lit by a bulb hanging from the ceiling, smelled of mildew. Grayish-green paint flaked off the walls. The woman behind the counter, pale, with graying brown hair, wore widow's brown. Welcome to Bryce Fabrics. How can I help you? Eleonora. When I last saw her ten years ago, she screamed curses and wept. How could she be here? What would she do? I felt an urge to run. I took a deep breath. A child changed more in 10 years than a woman. Her face held no recognition. You sent for assistance? 
Oh, yes. She grabbed my hand, her relief plain. I'm Eleanor Bryce. I'm so glad you came. She led me behind the counter and into their back room. Three beds and a rickety desk lined the walls. A small table with two stools sat in the center. A rusty hat rack stood in the corner close by. Three thin, battered coats hung there. A tall, thin adolescent with dark hair sat on a stool in the far left corner. He pointed when I entered the room. That's her. He was six when I last saw him. How did he recognize me? He held up the newspaper with my portrait, among others, on the front page. Emblazoned across the top, it read, Grand Ball Extravaganza, Bridges Family Meeting Countdown. Mrs. Bryce grabbed the paper from his hand then peered at me. Herbert, you're right, it is her. Mrs. Bryce appeared astonished to see me in my disguise, a shop maid's uniform, black with a white apron. Mrs. Spadros herself? She curtsied. I would never have called if I would have known such a fine lady would answer. I felt sad. Would she be glad to see me if she learned my true identity? Would she curtsy then, or would she strike me? Rain beat against the windows and lightning flashed, the rumbling of thunder close behind. Herbert didn't bow. Those same eyes, the same pale, serious face. Jackie, don't go. The moon hung high overhead. The frigid air smelled of dirt and sweat. Dirty children trained at knife fighting by lamplight a few yards up the narrow alley. Please don't go. This feels bad. Men don't want little kids for nothing good. Mrs. Bryce said, my boy's gone missing. Startled at her words, I jolted out of the memory. What? My son, he's missing. That's why I called you. Several portraits sat upon a tiny dresser in the corner across the room to the right. Mrs. Bryce went to it and handed me a tintype photo. A boy, light skin, dark hair, dark eyes, round face. She claimed he was 12. He looked closer to 10 sitting with Ma at her trestle table in the cathedral, eating warm bread with butter. The sounds of moaning and panting down the hall behind the tan linen curtains, telling Ma our story and laughing at escaping the police. The smells of sex and baking in the air. His big dark eyes happy, his pale face flushed with the liquor he tasted and the candlelit warmth. His little legs kicked under the stool. I shook my head trying to clear the memories of that terrible night. This is a recent picture? Mrs. Bryce nodded, yes, Mom. taken before Yuletide, maybe three weeks ago, right after we moved here. And you're sure he didn't run off? Mrs. Bryce's brown eyes filled with tears. No, Mom. I swear, David was a good boy in the midst of his chore work. Off to sweep the stair, he said. I'll be right back. He never came in. Thunder pealed. Harsh light illuminated the barren room. I called myself an investigator, but I investigated minor matters a missing dog, renters who've moved without paying. So this case violated rules I laid for myself. I avoided police affairs. I can't pay you, Mrs. Bryce said, and I didn't do a case without payment in advance, not even this one. But I'll do whatever you like, anything, if you'll help me. I never liked Eleanor. She never liked me, and she realized who I was. Please, Mom, I know how it looks. The police said he run off, but I know he was taken, and they all ignore me. This woman lived most of her life a dozen blocks from this very point, well on the other side of that spiked wrought iron fence encircling the pot. 
Why would she expect the police to help an out-of-town widow with no family connections and no bribe money? Had she really forgotten? My borrowed corset pinched at the hips. It chafed with every move. I wanted to change into my own clothes, get away from this room full of bad memories and guilt. I regarded the portrait, feeling melancholy. David looked just like him. Show me where you last saw the boy. The Bryce's back stair appeared much like any two blocks from the pot. Rickety wooden steps with rusty metal banisters leading down to a rat-infested alley. Clouds loomed dark across the sky. The only real light came from an oil lamp far down the alley to our right. We took refuge from the downpour under the eaves out of the wind. A dark figure moved in the shadows 20 yards to our left. Something about him frightened me. I hoped the rain would hide our words and send him away. When your boy disappeared, did you find anything amiss? Nothing at all. Everything was as it should be, except I found his little room on the ground. Her voice broke and him gone. I surveyed the alley. It appeared normal, except I crossed toward a red spot on the far wall near waist level. Was this here before he went missing? No, Mom. At least I don't think so. I leaned over to examine the spot. Penny's corset stabbing at my midsection. A solid red silhouette of a dog, ink stamped onto the wall. The tower clock chimed three. The man began walking towards us. I must go. I might be Jacqueline Spadros, but that would hardly stop a scoundrel from committing robbery or worse before he learned of it. We hurried back inside, and I breathed a sigh of relief when the door locked behind me. Then I remembered I carried weapons. I felt silly. Mrs. Bryce said, you're going to find him, right? I shook my head and kept walking through the room. The situation frightened me. This is a police matter, and I can't be involved. No quadrant lady can, but especially not me. But... I turned to her. Do you realize who my father-in-law is? What he would do to all three of us? I gestured at Herbert. If he learned I came here? She turned even paler than she was and nodded. Don't ever contact me at my house again. It's much too dangerous. If you wish to hire me in the future, send a note to Madame Biltcliffe. Address it to my maid, Amelia Dewey. Mrs. Bryce stared at me, mouth open. I, I never sent anything to your home, Mom, I swear. I put my hand in my pocket, touched the letter hidden there. I'm curious, why did you contact Madame Biltcliffe? My dressmaker, Marie Biltcliffe, owned a shop in downtown Spadra's Quadrant. She sent me cases from time to time. When I went to the police station, Mom, she said, a couple sat nearby. They must have heard me talk to the constable. The lady told me I might find help there. A couple so certain of Madame Biltcliffe's association with an investigator that they told others of it? Did they give any names? I didn't ask, Miss Bryce said. I was so upset. I understand. What did the couple look like? Mrs. Bryce smiled like a young girl. Nice looking, especially the man. She fanned herself with her left hand. They were about your age, and the lady had red hair. This didn't help much. If you meet them again, please let me know. I felt like a traitor. I'm sorry, I really am, but I can't help you. Leave this to the police. Walking to the front door of this shop, I knew the right thing to do even then, but I felt too afraid. I handed the taxi driver his penny. Madame Biltcliffe's dress shop on 42nd Street, please. His mother, Eleonora, in Bridges, her youngest gone missing. David looked just like him. Jackie, you shouldn't go. Heedless of the pedestrians and carriages beside me in the street, I wept. I entered Madame Biltcliffe's dress shop through her back door. A warm glow and the smell of fresh linen greeted me. 
Madame's shopmaid, Tenny, handed me a hat box for tonight. I smiled. Quite clever, Madame. Tenny was just 17, yet appeared much like me from behind. Curled, reddish-brown hair, light-brown skin. We were close to the same size, and I often used Tenny as a decoy when on a case. I could wear her clothes, and she mine. We went to a fitting room. Tenny helped me change into my original dress, a peacock blue walking gown. My husband, Tony, said he liked it because it matched my eyes. I smiled with relief on removing Tenny's new maid's corset, which left a red mark on my hip. Did anyone inquire for me? No, mum, and I stayed out of sight as you asked. Good girl. I gave her a penny. Tenny curtsied. Thank you, mum. Ask madame to return. Madame Marie Philcliffe entered, a tall, handsome, middle-aged woman with perfect black hair. Have either of you spoken to anyone about my business, someone who decided not to contact me? They both shook their heads. I have never had anyone refuse your help who I referred, Madame said, and I never speak your name before the meeting. Mrs. Bryce said a young woman with red hair told her to contact you. Madame built Cliff frowned. I know of no such woman. I feel confused, Madame. When Mrs. Bryce wrote you, why didn't you not contact me? She seemed surprised. I never contact you until I speak with the woman myself. I didn't know her, and she merely sent a note. If she would have waited. I shook my head. She said she didn't write to me. How strange. Madame Billcliffe appeared as perplexed as I felt. I suppose I'm glad she's no forger. I laughed at that thought. No, that she is not. I remembered my sore midsection. Would you make a maid's corset for me to keep here for future use? I would be happy to. Madame Billcliffe smiled and went to the curtain, holding it open for me. I emerged from the dressing room and she curtsied as I passed by. I breezed out of the shop and onto the street. My black and silver carriage stood ready drawn with, by black horses with silver tack. As I took my gay footman, Skip Honor's hand, to enter the coach, I glanced to my left. A man wearing brown stood several doors down, turning away at my glance. I didn't see his face, but he seemed familiar. I felt certain he'd been watching me. I turned to Honor. That man, how long has he stood there? But when Honor and I looked again, the man was gone. While in the coach on the way home, I pulled the letter from my pocket. Dear Mrs. Spadros, I hate to impose upon you during the holiday, but it would be of much help if you could find time to call on me today. My maid, Teddy, will, of course, be ready to assist you. It is a matter of some urgency. Your servant, Marie Billcliffe. The letter, on Madame's stationery, signed with her perfume and in her handwriting. Madame claims she never sent it. Mrs. Bryce claims she never sent it either. Then who did and why? A puzzle. I moved the pieces around in my mind and could make nothing of it. That was Patricia Loofborough reading book one in the Red Dog Conspiracy series, The Jack of Spades. Her latest in the series just came out today, so make sure you click the link in the show notes to get over to her website and you can see all of the books available. They're pretty short reads, so it won't take you very long to run through all of them and you're bound to have a lot of fun. Hey, don't forget to also click the links in the show notes for our friends and sponsors. Especially don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that next week you don't miss out when we come back with a new author, a new book, and another sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you again next week.